Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Is the sound hooked up yet? Is it okay? Can you hear me? Okay, good. Thank you. You know, the Lord really loves you. We just finished a prayer time, and and pastor just mentioned about the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to the Lord and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And we all, many of us have memorized that prayer, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a model prayer. It's a prayer for us to learn from. But in John 17, we see a prayer where the Lord pours out his heart. Where's the controller at? Right here. The Lord pours out his heart. And have you ever been at a time when you just poured your heart out to God? I remember years ago, I was riding a bicycle. I don't ride bicycles anymore. I've got two middle knees and so forth. But I was, I was in a situation where I almost, I had to turn real quick again and I'd crash. And I remember so clearly praying, Lord, help! I didn't follow the Lord's prayer. I didn't say, oh, Heavenly Father, awesome God, who crash, you know. And I, I prayed for my heart. Well, in John 17, we see where John the Baptist, not John the Baptist, I'm sorry, the Apostle John, gets to listen to the Lord pour out his heart to his Father. It's like being the Holy of Holies. You go up to the temple, you go into the temple, but you go into the Holy of Holies where no one really gets to go, but John got to listen to the Lord pray his heart out to the Father. And is this thing turned on? How do you turn it on? There, okay. But being this is Armistice Day coming up, or Veterans Day coming up, I got, and Pastor talked about World War I, there's a story in World War II where Hitler commanded all religious groups to unite, to be joined together in unity. Now, we in America could point to Europe and say, those evil Nazis are doing all those terrible things, and we unite together, and we go over and fight them, and we liberate the world from the dictatorship of the Nazis and so forth. But the church in Germany was faced with the dilemma because they're being told to unite and half of the, and because Hitler wanted to control the church, and half of the churches that united uh, under Hitler agreed, and the other half did not. And the churches that did not enforce a lot of persecution, and a lot of those had family members that went to the concentration camps, and all the people died. After the war, there was a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness within the church. And the Brethren Church decided, you're going to come together. They went to a retreat somewhere for a few days. They spent time in prayer, and they talked. And they prayed, and they talked to each other, and they prayed to God. And Francis Schaeffer wrote, uh, who told the incident, he said, what did you do then? They said, we were just one. 
as they confess to God their hostility and bitterness and yield to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. They came together in unity. They're told to be united by Hitler, and that divided the church. But when they came together in Christ, Christ united the church. And even though they have been on different sides, they're able to come together in Christ's love. The unity of Christ is awesome. So today's title is Unity, Christ's Prayer for a Prodigal Church, and I'll get into the Prodigal Church a little bit later. But in Christ's prayer, we see the key verse about unity in verse 21, that all of them may be one. Now, what does, you know, being one, okay, Christ wants us to be one, but that's really a, a plea on Christ's part for intimacy with the church. He wasn't wanting just to all walk stock and barrel. He wanted us to be one and, and one with him. So the first part of the verse, I'm going to read the first five, five verses. Now, after Jesus said this, he, took to, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I'll point out here. And now glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. Now, my wife and I, we've been married for 41 years, going on to 42 years. It's been awesome. I, I, I decided to stick with my first wife. She's wonderful. My only wife. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but we'll talk about, sometimes we'll talk about when we were dating. Well, we're talking about 42, 43 years ago. And some of you weren't even born yet. I know my kids weren't. Um, <laughs> And but we're looking back on old times. Sometimes I'll talk with my brother, and we'll talk about when we were kids. We're talking about, I'm, I'm 65 now. So my memories go back 50, 60 years. I still remember when I was five years old. But Christ was, he's a son of God, but he was never born. So when Christ is talking to his father, pouring his heart out, he's not going back 30, 40, 50 years. He's going back before the creation of the world. Before the world began. The glory I had with you before the world began. He's remembering the time they had. And John chapter 1 verse 1. I'm going to quote a few verses here. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And we see in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. In Genesis 1.1, we go from John 1.1 now to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, when we read through the creation story, God created the heavens and he said it was good. And he created the world and he said it was good. He created the seas and the land. He creates the animal. He said it was good. 
He creates man. He said, it is very good. The animals were not created in the image of God. The tree you have grown in the front yard of your house, it wasn't created in the image of God. The rocks are not in the image of God. They reflect his glory. But mankind was created in the image of God. We are created in, I may not look like God, but God gave me a will. Gave me capability to think, to reason, to act, same as you. We, he gave us capability that animals do not have. He created us in his image. Now, here's a coin. I call it a tribute penny, and it's mentioned in Luke, Mark and Luke. And this is when the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, and they brought to him a coin. Says, well, no, they didn't bring him a coin at first, but they came and said, is it, should we render taxes to Caesar or not? It's a trick question. We'll go to that whole story. But the thing that's interesting is, is Christ said, show me a, a, a denarius. They gave him a denarius. This is Caesar Augustus, who ruled from Tiberius, Caesar Tiberius, who ruled from 1437 AD. And he says, whose image is on the coin? They said, Caesar's. Well, the coin has Caesar's image. And, he, and Christ says, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Or give to Caesar that which has Caesar's image. And render to God which has God's image. Now, originally, remember the God, which is God, growing up, I always thought that meant pay your taxes, pay your tithes. God's not interested in your tithes. He's interested in you. It, when I was, I still remember when I was a little kid, and my dad pastored a church. I went down to the Winchell's Dawn Shop Sunday afternoon. We had Sunday morning service. We had Sunday night service. And I went down to the Dawn Shop, and this, I was talking to this man. There's a lady over here. And I, I didn't talk to her. I was talking to the man. He's asked me, I'm the little kid, I'm the little boy, you know, and he says, you know, what's your name, and that's all that stuff, what you do, my dad's pastor of the church over there, and I invite him to church. I invite him to church, you know, I'm doing the right pastor's son thing, the preacher's kid thing. He pulls out a dollar bill and says, put this in the pot. I took that dollar, and I very faithfully went and put it in the pot. Did my duty. After church, I heard, they said, did you hear, see the lady left the church crying? No. Well, the lady who was listening to me talking to this man who gave me the dollar bill to put in the pot, she came to church. And she gave her life to the Lord that night. And after we got home, I, my dad comes up to me and shakes my hand and says, good job, son. What did I do? I put a dollar in the pot. The dollar didn't get that man anything. She got Jesus Christ. So we are to render to Caesar that which has Caesar's image. Give Lincoln his $5 bill. Uh, give Washington his $1 bill. Um, but give to God, which is God's image. That's you. And being in God's image... Now, it's very easy. Now, I work in the correctional system, and, and I've been a chaplain for, uh, prison for 21 years. I work at headquarters over the religious program. So I work a lot with volunteers. I work a lot with inmates. And I love some of the inmates I work with have, been, have done awful things. I'm not going to story about some of the people I've met, but some of them you can recognize in the news. 
And the thing that always impressed on me, the Lord impressed on me was, was, you know, like, why do we minister to them? I thought, how could I hate them if Christ died for them? And so God tells Adam and Eve to not eat of the tree, to obey him. If you eat a tree, you will die. So why didn't God just come in, they ate a tree, and boom, zap, you're dead. Throw away the key, you know, that kind of mentality. Because he loved them. And so when the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now get this. The all-knowing God who created the heavens and the earth, who created Adam and Eve, can't see behind that tree. It's like the story of the little kid. Mom says, don't eat from the cookie jar. So she walks in the kitchen, and she catches the kid with the hand of the cookie jar. What are you doing? Now, do you think the mom really knows what he's doing? God knew where they were. But he asked them that question to make them think, where are you? The question I'm going to ask you today is, where are you? Where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in your relationship with your family? Where are you in your life? Where are you? And it's interesting because he was really giving Adam and Eve a chance to repent. Well, Adam, he said, well, I hid, we hid because we were naked. Well, who told you you were naked? And, and then he said, well, this woman you gave me. Now, he should have said, Lord, I have sinned. You told me not to eat of the tree, and I ate of the tree. I'm so sorry. I, I'm wrong. I'm sorry, God. But he didn't do that. He blames the woman and really blames God. And, of course, the woman blamed the serpent. I don't know who the serpent blamed. But, but Christ, God could have easily said, zap, you're gone, penalty is death. Yeah, they eventually died. But he gave them, he, he clothed them. He, he cast them out from the garden, but he clothed them, he took care of them. And then we see Cain and Abel. After Cain kills Abel, the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Again! Do you think that God did not know where Abel was? This time, instead of saying, blaming anybody, he's just really saying, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? How often have people said, if you're caught, just deny it? You know, that's one of the first arguments that was used. Just deny it. But God was asking because he's trying to build a relationship with Cain who killed Abel and still after that event he put a mark on him that no one else should strike to him down because God was working to help him even though he did such a terrible thing. God loved Cain even though he killed Abel. God loves us. And we see that forgiveness is not something just New Testament. Back in Micah who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but, but delight to show mercy. You will 
again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. God loves you. He has a passion for you. And, and the story of unity is something that's not just so that we are all the same mind and so forth. It's, it's a bondness being together. Now, the story of the prodigal son, and I'm going to compare it to the prodigal church, because how many of us can relate to the prodigal son story? How many of you have heard the story of the prodigal son? Of course you have, probably about a million times. Anyway, um, the prodigal son is a story where the son, the younger son, younger son, older son, Yes, yeah, the younger son says, you know, I'm looking forward to my dad giving me his inheritance. The problem is he's really healthy. He's got many years left. I don't want to wait. So, hey, dad, fork over half your money. I'm out of here. And the dad regretfully does so. And the son takes off, and he goes off, and he parties. And then he runs out of money. He's not making money. He's spending money. And so that 50% inheritance he got was gone. He starts thinking, my dad has servants who are working better. And I'm over here and I get this job. I'm a good Jewish boy. And I'm feeding pigs. And so he realizes that he has sinned. So he goes back to his father and he says, and he's rehearsing all the way back to his dad, saying, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Please accept me back as one of your hired servants. And meanwhile... We see that every day his, he was gone, the father's out there looking. Is he coming back yet? Next day, he's out there looking. The next day, he's out there looking. And a month later, he's out there work looking. A year later, he's out there looking. He doesn't give up looking. And one day, he looks. That's my son! That's my son. And he runs out there and the son starts saying, I have sinned against you, against God. And he's too busy hugging him. He loves having his son come back home. He, here he has a son that has, in, that has insulted his dad, disrespected his dad, and, ha, and his dad has every right to say, you blew it. You, you insulted me. You disrespected me. But he didn't do that. He welcomed him home. And and, and the prodigal church is the same. You know, where we, if we relate to the prodigal son coming back to God, we as a church can come and we see in Matthew eleven eight twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a promise for each and every one of us. Come to me if you're weary and you're burdened, and I will give you rest. But we got the other brother. And of course, the younger other brother, he sees, okay, here's my here's my bum brother who goes off and spends half the money. He's back now, he probably wants some more money. And he he like he liked being the, the, the head the, the main guy now. I mean he's got all the attention. He's the good boy. And so when the dad welcomes back the younger son, the other guy's like I really do not see him coming around and saying, welcome home, brother. But that's a family that's united in a picture, but they're not united 
in spirit because there's resentment there. The Father wants them to be one. And I think in the Lord's high priestly prayer, he's praying that we will be one. We don't see Jesus praying that he and the Father will be one. There we are one. It's not a problem. But he does see, we do see the Lord praying that we will be one as he and the Father are one because we do have a problem. Sometimes I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like, uh, I don't like the way you sing. I wish we had different kinds of songs. And the kids program, you know, they let that bum kid in there and, and so forth and so on. And, and, and we can get into resentment. So by, somebody said such and such. And we can get resentment, and that resentment can divide the church. And the Lord prayed that we would be one. So the Lord prays for all believers. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Now, first we see that the Lord prayed for him, his relationship with his father. He prayed for his disciples. And then he prayed, and of course the disciples, they go off and make other disciples. First century, second century, third century, the church grows and grows. It goes to, to Europe, northern Africa, goes to the east, um, and then six, in 1500, it comes over to America. I mean, it just grows. And he is praying for everyone from the time of the disciples to now. And that prayer includes you. Includes me. Includes all of us. And he, and he prays for us. Now what is unity? Uniformity. Okay, by the way, next Sunday I want all of us to wear green shirts, blue pants, uh, and, and I want you to all have an insignia that says our church name on there. I keep the heritage. Uh, what's the first? What? What? Foundation. Foundation. I started thinking of another name. It's still too new for me. I'm still thinking of ARF. <laughs> and, but we need to know that it's Foundation Church. So we all need to have the lapel pin that says Foundation Church. Well, that's be together in uniformity. That's not the kind of uniformity that Christ is talking about here. It's not conformity. Walk and lock, step, barrel. Question, what does being one, does being one mean being the same? Let's go back to Genesis real quick. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so we see that he created male and female. Are they the same? You hear about sexual discrimination? I sexually discriminate when I picked my wife. I definitely wanted a woman. She's different than me. And I'm different than she is. And I rejoice in her different uniqueness from me. And, and so he, he created them separate, unique from each other, we see in the next chapter, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. 
They become one, yet she is still woman and he is still man. So answer, being one does not mean being the same. That all of them, in Christ is praying, that all of them may be one. All of them. He wants all of us to be one. Okay, we have different genders. God created different genders, different perspectives, and he respects our different perspectives. We need our different perspectives. I, in, my, in my job, a lot of what I do, being that I'm in um, headquarters over religious program, I do a lot of writing of policy and regulation. I don't just write the policy and send it out to the institution. I can't do that. But it has to go through legal, it has to go through custody, it has to go through uh, these different departments. Everybody has to give their perspective. They come back and say, you need to change this because. And I go, thank you, I didn't see that. We need different perspectives. In the family, the husband may say one thing, the wife may see it different. They need to share their different perspectives. In the church, we have the pastoral staff, we have the children's workers, we have the kids we have different perspectives, and God created us different, and we have different, different perspectives. We have different personalities. Aren't you glad we're not all the same? Different ages. I'm so glad we're all different ages because it's younger ones that are replacing all older ones. Um, different nationalities. It's, it's really interesting that the, God created us different. And the different races, when you see how God created different races, the different races and the different cultures that come with those races are beautiful. I participated a lot. I, I, I participated a lot in the Spanish services when I was at the prison. I oversaw the Spanish service. In fact, I could even I've even preached sermons in Spanish. I, I think they even understood me. Um, I've been in black churches. I took black preaching when I was in seminary. I was the only white male in the black preaching class. I really enjoyed it because I learned some things about the black preaching style that helped me as a white preacher. Um, different you know, languages, different heritages, this goes on. Different cultures, different styles, different values, different traditions, different practices, different music. Do you want the old hymn? Do you want the new modern music? And the new modern music from the 80s is now the old music? <laughs> I see some laughing there. Um, and different colors, differences, differences, differences. And it's just, I just tipped the juice, I'm sorry. Um, different ways of spilling communion juice. Um, so all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Unity. He doesn't want us all wearing the same uniform. That's an outward appearance. He wants us to be together in the Spirit of God. So they may, that they also may be in us. Unity of Spirit. I, have, I find it really interesting... When you walk with the Lord and you meet other people that are walking with the Lord, there's a bondness there. There's a spirit there. And I find that the same is true in reverse. When you are walking the Lord and you meet people who do not know Christ, they wonder, they look at you kind of funny. And the thing I, I found that working with inmates who were Christians, 
they, they came to prison and their lives were so transformed and they were so glad that the Lord just changed their lives and, and the people would say, oh, you know, he just got religion. The thing I often had to advise them is, how can you, how can those who do not know Jesus rejoice in your salvation when they themselves have not been saved? But when, you, when we meet someone who is in Christ, it's a bondage that takes place there, the unity of spirit. Keep the unity of the spirit. We don't make the unity of the spirit. The spirit comes to us, but we need to keep the unity of the spirit because Satan will come in who, who always seeking to destroy and devour. He'll come in to destroy that unity by coming in and saying, did you know that so-and-so said such and such? Did you know that their style of worship over here, their theology of that church over there is wrong. And those people over there, man, that's a heresy. And, and he's going to come in to try to divide us. We need to keep the unity of the Spirit by having the Spirit of Christ in us. And the Spirit and love go together. We, we find the love of Christ. And purpose. Let's look at the purpose. What is the purpose? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the purpose is, is that not only do we have the unity of the Lord, but the world can see that we are one. And then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, same spirit, and one mind. It's Philippians 2.2, 2, repeating the very same things there. So how do we have the unity? In Luke 10.27, I love this verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind. The Lord's prayer is that we will be one with Him, unified with Christ, unified with God the Father. We will be one with Him, and then that we will be one with each other. We cannot be one with each other if we're not one with Christ. And so, I love this verse because it says it so well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Let Christ be your focus. We live for Christ. And the thing, and, and I found it the chaplain, people often say, See, you must have a really hard job. Actually, I found it quite easy. You know, I've never saved a single person in my entire life. Jesus saves. I never healed anyone from illness. Jesus heals. I've never restored relationships that are broken. I've never restored or helped a man and a woman restore a relationship. Why? Because Jesus restores relationships. My job and your job is not to do the work that God does, but point people to the God who does the work. And so if I am really angry and I'm struggling and someone kind of trying to talk to me and calm the anger down, and I'm still feeling that hurt. I'm still feeling that anger. It's until I cry, Lord, help me. And the Lord helps me. And he takes that anger and replaces it with forgiveness. He takes that anger and replaces it with love. And so our first thing, job is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and 
and to love, and then we can love our neighbor as ourselves. So how do we get this unity? Love God, love each other. So the Lord's Prayer comes out of the Lord's Prayer, Christ's high priestly prayer. I've given them the glory, verse 22, that you gave me in the L, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may also be brought to complete unity. So in closing, I'd say, Jesus loves you. And this Lord's Prayer for Unity is not a prayer that we all believe the same doctrine, not a prayer that we all uh, walk the same, talk the same, but it's a prayer that we have intimacy with Him and through that intimacy with each other. Pastor? Well, good morning, ARCF family. All right, I got three quick announcements for you before you head out. So let's get started. And to kick things off is your first announcement, which is the Senior Potluck happening next Thursday, November 11th at 11.30 a.m. across the way in the Connection Center. And it just so happens that it falls on Veterans Day, which means it's going to be a patriotic thing. Plus, I hear there's going to be some patriotic activities as well. So if you're a senior, soon to be a senior, or perhaps you just feel like a senior, then you're invited to come join everybody at the Senior Potluck. And if you have any questions, please make sure you contact Pastor Ruben Herrera. And make sure you mark your calendars for Thursday, November 11th at 11.30 a.m. And don't forget to bring a dish to share. A few weeks ago, you heard Melissa and I announce that we are hosting a family Thanksgiving right here at ARCF. It is an absolute pleasure for us to host this. So, if you need a place to gather for Thanksgiving, then we want to invite you to come join us. We're going to be converting the Connection Center into our cozy living room. And we're going to have board games, a special corner set up for football, and of course, all the Thanksgiving Day goodies. And speaking of those goodies, here's an important thing to remember. We do need to know how many are coming, so we make sure we have enough for everyone. So, if you are planning on joining us, please make sure you head to the sign-up table before you leave today and RSVP your place. Another way you can RSVP is by emailing the church office at office at myarcf.com. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask Melissa or myself. Once again, the Framley Thanksgiving is going to be held on Thanksgiving Day from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. across the way in the Connection Center. Your last announcement is a quick update on the Haiti Relief Fund. We were able to send $1,500 from our missions, youth, and outreach teams to the Church of God Global Relief Fund, specifically for the Haiti Earthquake Recovery. And of course, all this is made by your generous giving to the church. So thank you. All right, church family, that's all I've got for you. As always, please make sure you grab yourself a bulletin, read left to right, front to back, for more events and more information. Jesus, Lord Jesus, please remove our excuses as we seek to divide and remain divided. Lord Jesus, rip our excuses out for hatred and disrespect and dishonor of people who see things a different way than we see them. 
Great physician, whatever is necessary in this body, we ask you to do it. Make us one that the world would know that you, Jesus, were sent by the Father and you've transformed us and can transform others as well. We love you, Lord. God's people said. Love you guys. Have a great week.